0: Uh, well, welcome to Villa Together, the full ninety podcast aftermath of West Ham United 2, Aston Villa 1, more controversy, uh, more disappointment. Um, once again, I'm joined by Ian Gillitt and Joe Davidson.
1: Uh, lads, how are we doing? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, would have been better if we'd won that. But the VAR didn't stop quite as badly as it does.
2: Uh, another another frustrating night. Another night where I feel like I fall out of love with the beautiful game because VAR <laughs> is absolutely shite.
1: Oh, second that Ian. Second that. Tell you. <laughs> I don't know how you um... can
2: possibly give his elbow offside when he's been manhandled in the area. He's physically got two arms wrapped around Watkins... It's, it's, yeah. it's like common, common sense goes out the window with VAR decisions. There is no common sense from the officials, both no. on the pitch and at Scotland.
1: Well, the, there's just no consistency. I mean, how, firstly, that Trezeguet was, um, even as a Villa fan, that was not a penalty. It just wasn't. But no, I thought
2: it you was know, very lucky to get the first penalty, but I suppose he, but Rice having that, his shirt in the early stage of it gives him the, that, the questions.
1: If, that, if that's a penalty... How is that
0: second one not a penalty on Watkins? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's frustrating, isn't it? Because you you we've kind of had yeah, I suppose essentially two chances to to get a point at least, possibly win the game. Uh, you know, like like you said with the VAR decision, we'll come on to that and it, we'll come on to that in a bit more detail in a minute, but. There's the the fact that we've scored that's been taken away from us, and obviously there's also the fact that leading up to that, whether it's in the box or just outside the box, there's a foul on Ollie Watkins, so there's that as well, um, and the, the kind of missed penalty. And I think we, you know, I've I've, I've always been like this when, when we've had a penalty since we had Watkins because of because of Rebel, what he said to us a number of weeks ago about uh, Watkins yeah. and his penalties and. I think you know we mentioned it against Southampton, didn't we? He put his penalty away well, but again, you know, no pressure at that time. We were, I think, four-two down, four-one down, whatever it was, four-four-one at the time. I think it was, wasn't it? So, so the, the pressure's off him. Uh, and today, it's, it's disappointing. But I mean, I don't know who else who else would take that penalty. Um, first thing I want to come to is uh, is the, the starting eleven. So obviously, Harriham in for Barclay. I suppose the alternatives were potentially starting Traore, who came on for him last week when he went off injured. Uh, maybe bringing in Ramsey, but I think it's probably a bit too soon for that. Um, Joe, do you think that Harry Ham was the right decision starting him?
1: Uh, first of all, I think it just shows our lack of depth so badly. I mean, our second choice options are not Premier League level at this stage. Um, and. That might maybe being a little bit harsh on Barclay, I'm uh, oh, sorry, on Traore in particular, but from what I've seen so far of him, he is not currently anywhere near the level we need. Um, Hurahan for me, he's got a great left foot, but he offers absolutely nothing else. He's so slow, he hasn't got any passing to him at all. Defensively, he may as well not be there, and from open play, he's um, He's questionable at best. Um, realistically, I think the one I would have actually gone with is probably Ramsay. At least he's dynamic, and I feel he's actually the best replacement of the bunch for Barkley. He's the most similar. Yeah, I,
0: I think I, I, I agree with you on that one, to be honest, because he's, um, like you say, I think what has been a big part of our play recently has been that dynamism going forward when we've kind of had at times two up top always three up top or three directly behind a striker. We've, we've moved it around I and mean, how round is not going to take up those positions point up the pitch where you'd want it to. Um, Ian,
2: you know, same kind of thing really. Do you think how round was the, the right choice and, and would you have gone with that? Um, I was in the, in the build up to the game this week, I was, I was thinking what Dean Smith might do. Um, and for me I, I, I kind of agree with putting our hand back in. Um, I think we saw in the early stages of the game, especially in the first half, these set pieces were sort of buy-ins for us to get ourselves a foothold in the game. but it's, it's like Joe said, I feel we, we really struggle with depth in that position. Uh, and especially now we've leveled up with Bark, who's been that player doing yeah, yeah, the, the, the transition between the sort of defence and attack. And he can, he can move the ball quite on either. But he takes a bit of the pressure away from Grealish. And you're never going to get that with Harrahan because he, he does get bypassed a lot in that middle ground. I don't think it really affected the game too much today, if I'm honest. I think too. Two concentrational sort of errors, both at the start of either half, have cost us big time. Um, And the one worrying thing for me at the moment is when we go behind, especially twice in a game, we aren't turning turning these games over back into a favourable result. And it's now four out of the last five that we've lost, which is a little bit concerning. But, no, know, I, I think Dean made the right decision today. I think it's a bit too early to throw Ramsey in at the moment. Um, but, yeah, like Joe said, we do struggle um, in terms of the depth there, bringing somebody in out of the squad to replace that void left by Barkley. So the sooner he's back, the better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I will say before we get too frustrated and too negative um, just about... Just a couple yeah.
0: of questions. Uh, okay. Doug, good friend... Of the show from Dugout Football Channel. Uh tough one to take. Yes, it was. Um mentioned it at the start, the Og Bonner kind of thing. Um it's got a hand around Watkins' neck, coming into the box, obviously was being been disallowed um for offside. And then there was contact from Og Bonner on Watkins. I mean, do you think that that was a foul? I mean, obviously in the studio looking at going up Jamie Carriger they felt that they're, they're concentrating VAR solely on the offside decision. Is it something they've missed or is there not, not enough in there for you? Uh, Joe, what do you think about that one?
1: Um, I, I think the problem you get is that regardless of if, it, if that potentially would be a penalty or not, by the time he, got, he actually touched the ball, it was um, given as offside. If he had been onside and put it wide, I think potentially it would have come back and had a VAR check on it. I think because of the way they're implementing it at the moment, if it's considered offside, they seem to just nullify anything else that's happened. Yeah, I I
2: suppose it depends. At the time that the ball left Target's foot, and if Agbonnet had his arms around him at that stage, then where he was and was... It's really difficult, isn't it? Because if, if Watkins is offside... He's offside, isn't he? Whereas it doesn't matter where the, the sort of the arm comes around his neck. But it's a really tough one. I don't. I don't. I don't. I think it's. I. I just. I just. I don't know. It's, it's really yeah. strange. It's a strange one. It's not going to happen that many times. But it. It's yeah. like anything. It? If the referee plays on, advantage. That's what he would have said. His argument would have been, I've played the advantage and he scored, but we've brought it back because he's offside from the original time it left target's foot.
1: Yeah, or alternatively it's a foul on an offside player and they never get given. So um, unfortunately, I think it's one of those that is it a foul? Uh, in my opinion, it probably is, yeah. Um, realistically, if that goes to VAR, would they overturn it? Absolutely not. As we've as we've seen with the initial uh, penalty on Dresge. There was far less in that one. What,
0: what about the goals? We've
1: got to move on to the goals. So the first goal, um,
0: ball comes in. They, it's a, you know, West Ham have had a bit, bit of a chance. We've got our targets blocked, uh, an effort that they've had from the edge of the box. Corners come in. We mentioned this, and I think you said it just before we came on, Joe. About the goals that we concede, you know, they're they're free kicks, they're set pieces, you know, they're all these reconceding goals. It's happening, you know, they're all similar, it's the same kind of thing. We mentioned against Southampton. The goal we conceded from a set piece coming in from James, I think it was the first goal, War Prowse into Vestergaard. The issue then was zonal marking. And it seems then tonight, the issue again is zonal marking. And what also is interesting is the ball comes in. You've got, I think it's Douglas Louise, John McGinn, and Matt Target, who are marking probably the three best headers of the ball that West Ham have got in Declan Rice, uh, I think Thomas Suchek and then uh, Og Bonner. And then you've got, you've got then the, um, I think you've got three of the back four. You've got Cash, you've got Cons, you've got Means, who are, I suppose, Zonal marking, the edge of the the, the uh, six-yard box, you kind of think, you know, they've got to make a decision, first of all, defensively from set pieces to to choose what they're going to do. You know, are they going to go man-marking or are they going to go zonal? I don't think you can mix it up. I think with zonal, you, you've got to, you know, you, you split up the box, you split up the area, you take that, you know, the ball comes to you, you get, you get rid of it. Man-marking, you're on a man. And obviously, he's your man, you follow him. So, you know, the ball comes in, you've got you've got around the penalty spot, those three guys marking Rice, Ogbonna, Suchek. And Ogbonna gets free, I think. I think McGinn's, uh, or I think it's Louise not watching the ball. He, ball comes in, he, he ends up blocking, I think, John McGinn. Ogbonna, free run, gets in in the back post, ahead of that target. It's really, really bad defending, but I just think that, you know they've they've got to really make a decision from it. You know, this is the you know the staff in training. What how they're going to defend these corners? Choose zonally, all man marking, not a bit of both. Because you know we've seen a lot of times with set pieces, we're pretty poor defending them. And I think we've got you know they've got to make that decision. Uh, but yeah, I think you know straight away that goal was 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 sickening. Um, what are your thoughts on it on it, Joe? In terms of this kind of the mixture of marking that there was
1: in the box. So it it is an interesting point. And I think historically there certainly has been a bit of a thing about us zonal marking. And then obviously there was this sort of push for us to move more towards man marking. And I I understand what you're saying about us not being able to do half and half. But I think increasingly, if you look at the teams who actually defend corners well, that is becoming more of a feature. Um, For example, if you look at Liverpool quite often, their two centre backs will take up positions because End of the day, the vast majority of corners get cleared. Most of them are actually fairly poor balls in. If you put, use Mings in that role, he's the, he, Mings and Konza are then there to clear all of the crap balls in and they get them away. And that's essentially what we're trying to do. The problem is, in reality, is that we lack height. Our midfield, all, they're all short, as are our wing backs as well. And it means that if we come up against a team that has a couple of big centre-backs or a couple of big centre-mids mixed in with that, we really struggle and it just takes what, and to be fair, the ball in flat up on a header was fantastic, as was his movement, as was his job. I think target, there was nothing he could have done about that at all. Like he, he was on a standing jump against the bloke, five inches taller than him coming in at pace. Like It, it was a goal written all over. I, realistically, I think we need to have a bit of a look at who we're putting on, particularly the biggest men. I think considering how good Watkins is in the air, potentially using him in that role may be more useful. Um, but I, I completely agree, something has to change. I, unfortunately, I feel we're just pretty much handicapped by the size of our midfielders, really.
0: Yeah, I think you're banged not know I know
1: what you mean about the point trying to mix it up.
0: I just think that, like, I think it's, it's kind of something to, it seems like we obviously haven't been doing that for a while. Let's so yeah. try and implement it when we haven't really got the players for it. Yeah, I, it really um, Just before I we bring our that. first guest in, um, Ian, what are your thoughts on that That first goal? Obviously, you conceded it early. Just, you know, suck it. it's,
2: it's frustrating because if, I, I feel like it, especially uh, in the last few home games as well, I feel like we think the first 10 minutes is going to be like a write off, and then we wake up. It's 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 shocking. And you cannot start two halves of football like we did tonight with those concentration levels. It's just simply not on. I mean, the build up to the first goal straight away. um, There's a few errors in the middle where challenges could have gone in. The throw in then comes in. It's a long, hopeful throw in. Louise completely mistimes his header. It then gets blocked by target, a good block. Um, It has to be said. It goes out for a corner. And then a lot of teams are doing this at the moment. It seems to be that one zone where they're having the centre-halves in a zonal marking. And then they have the other zone, which is a bit further up towards the penalty spot, where you have your midfielders man-marking. And I've noticed noticed Liverpool are doing it. But it's interesting to see the way we set up. Because that first zonal line, we had probably concert Mings, and then Target at the back post. Nine times out of 10, a whipped-in cross gets headed in where it's either sort of the middle ground or the back post. It has to be a really good header to be a front post flick on, um, sort of looped over the keeper. So for me, the natural marking of that zone would be target at your front post in his natural left-back sort of position where he'd normally be defending crosses. And then you have your two centre-halves, or your two best headers of the football, which is probably concert and Mings for us. Um, but you do not have one of your smallest players at the back post where the chances are, because our midfielders are so short, the likes of McGinn and Louise, there is going to be a centre-half from the opposition getting the run on them from the penalty spot. It's just... It's, for me, it was shambles, and Dean Smith was talking about it a lot in the build-up to this game in his press conference about how happy he's been with the organisational side of things. For me, tonight, that is just two complete switch-offs at the start of each half, and it's cost us. Like uh, West Ham had nothing else in the game. They literally had nothing else in the game, just two 40-second segments where they've caught us off guard completely. Flick of the coin sort of thing and they've scored two goals and they've done nothing else apart from that. And like I said earlier, we, we do struggle when we go behind. If we don't score the first goal, we struggle in games and it's just it's just annoying because you can't you can't start with those concentration levels. You're a professional football player, everybody's got to be on it from the first whistle.
0: Yeah. 100 percent He's totally frustrated. Um I was gonna bring in our first guest. Kevlar, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? You well? Yeah, yeah not too bad considering. Wow. Um, what What are your kind of initial thoughts post match? How you been after that? After the games, you kind of, and, and you've had a bit of time to kind of react.
3: Oh, I haven't <laughs> 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 um, gusted up um, in the in the manner of. Um, I've still got Sky on, so I'm still watching it in the background as well, listening to Neville and Carragher go on, obviously, about the old VAR. Um, My concern for me is the strength in depth. I know we're going on about certain players in certain areas, but this is where I think in time we will become a lot better and frustrating these games that we are getting beat on. Uh, We'll start swinging in our favour, probably next season, if I'm going to be honest. And the reason say that is because I don't think once you've got your starting eleven, I can't see anybody else that'll come off the bench to make an impact. Al Ghazi is just not up to scratch in the Premier League at all. Fantastic championship player and I wish him well. But for the for the villa and for the Premier League, I'm sorry, but I just I just don't think he's is good enough at all. Um Traore showed a, a little bit more today in, in the last fifteen minutes of this game compared to a, a, a what, 35 minutes of, of the previous game with a nice shot on his left foot. But it's the strength in depth. There's there's nothing after the after the 11, Conor kind of Hurrahan again. I think he was up to scratch again. You know, goes missing uh, 20, 30 minutes in a game. Um, it's just concerning the fact that at, at this initial stage, um, we don't have any from off the bench to influence the game to kind of steady the ship. Everything good comes through Jack. There's 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 nobody else that is within an ingrowing toenail of Jack Grealish. There's nobody better. Yeah,
0: it's a good point you make about the strength in depth because obviously going from, from last season when we finished 17th, I suppose the aim this season is, is just to improve on that. Uh, I think the main thing is we don't want to be having a relegation running towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we've had a decent start, so that gives us a good kind of chance of, of not having a relegation fight. Uh, obviously, Barkley's got injured, so you've had, got Howard Hand comes in, so instantly that that weakens your, fir- your first team. Also weakens the bench. And like you say, you know, you've got I don't mind El Mahamedi. I think he's okay. But then again, you know, you, your subs that you're making, you're bringing off, you're bringing El Ghazi and El Mahamedi off the bench. It's yeah. not really inspiring. It's you, you know, you want something different.
3: Yeah. Are those two players anything massively different than the guys they're replacing? Backwards, step, if anything. And I think Ollie Watkins needed to get off that pitch and nobody we could replace him with. And I felt so sorry for the guy because even the VAR, you know, goal. He, his his head was shut, and Trezeguet's the same as well. Um, I feel sorry for him. He puts himself into absolutely fantastic positions, but he's got a he's got a foot like a shaking cobra. It would just it would just, <laughs> and it would just, it would just you know, like you know when you hit a, a, one of these like beach balls in the wind, and you don't know where. It, it's one of them, and I feel so sorry for him because if there's anybody other than Ollie Watkins who wants to score as a guy, you know, because I just feel sorry for him. He puts himself in some, some fantastic positions, but it's just you just go, oh God, where's this going to go? Um And I felt sorry for Ollie Watkins today. I just think that you know a fit Wesley could have come on. I'm not saying it would have changed the game, but I think sometimes Ollie has got to come out of the line like, a bit, if that makes sense, because it, it's all the talk other than VAR. It wasn't Ollie Watkins' night. And I feel sorry for the guy because he's still a young kid. You know, he's come over 30 odd million quid. And sometimes you need to just get out of the limelight a little bit and, um, and you know, get out of the... You know, get out of that kind of... Um, the, the firing line because obviously we all know how, how we can be if things don't go our way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It, I
1: think
0: going forward, that is, that is, I think, in terms of we've, coming from last week, next thing to do is to get other players in, but it's a good point you make about Wesley as well. Um, he's been named in the 25-man uh, Premier League squad, so uh, there, must be a, there must be a feeling that, I, I know he's, he's kind of back in light training, must be feeling that he's going to be back at some point because, you know, that, they could register it in, in January. Um, and I, I think it's a good, good point you make about him because when you look at it, uh, Lockings and it's not going his way, or, you know, you want a bit of something different, then bringing Wesley on, he's a different kind of player, isn't he? So, exactly that right. would be something going forward.
3: And you could even play Wesley a little deeper. So, you could even have him, um, I don't know if, if, if false nine is correct, correct uh, terminology, but, you know, we're saying about we're not winning the balls or this, that and the other. Well, Maybe you could play him a little bit deeper to win that initial ball, or to hold the play up, or you know, a focal point, someone to say, "Ollie, I'm going to win this ball. There's nobody around me that's going to win this. I'm going to get on, make you run, or ultimately hold the ball up and, and let the let uh, John, let Jack Grealish, you know, go into the pockets of space potentially. But I just there needs to be something different. If we're going to have a big tall guy playing, I can't see anybody better than in our know, at the moment, Wesley, that man, and maybe sitting just a little bit deeper.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you know, what the plan is or what the plan could be uh, when Wesley comes back. Um, just before you go, uh, I know we're on the losing side. I think I know who you're going to say, but um, pick a man of the match for us.
3: Pick a man of the match? cool oh, blimey. I don't think anybody you can give man of the match to other than Jack. I don't, I don't week in, week out, personally. I think Jack. Absolutely. He's light years ahead of anyone. Light years ahead of anyone. Um, Young I, I hero, somebody that I really, really like week in, week out, for me is Matty Cash. I think he's great. I think he's, you know, he's, he's, he's well worthy of, of the money that we've paid for him. I, I feel, sometimes I feel sorry for every, every Kanza. Kind of things next to him, if I'm being brutally honest, because I think Tyrone can be a, of a, um, a liability at times. He likes to go forward, um, a lot. Douglas Louise again, he can he can do things, but I just think he can be a bit rash. Um that you know, Trezeguet. I, I want him to score so bad. I really do. I just want to on target in the back of the net. Um I think we're gonna be okay. You've asked me if I'm man of the match, Jack, but I just think for the villa going forward, I think we'll be okay. I really sincerely do. Um and I just think the season for us will be next season when we've in-depth and when we can get these players on the bench, that can, that can create a bit of change. We've got, I'd say, nine, eight players there that are that are a good Premier League um, stature, And I just think after that, then we can build and maybe get 12 of them players. Um, but like you said, people like uh, Al on the bench for me, is not a Premier League player at all by any stretch. And Basi uh, as well would think that rate what he'd done for us at Wembley, you know, getting the goal again off his shoulder. Um, you know, but it was a goal nonetheless. And, you know, with with everything that um he did Ramadan as well and everything. That was very, very big of him um to have done something like that uh for us going forward. But I think he's stuck the villa as far as he as a player. I wish him all the best but we're Aston Villa. You know, we are sleeping giants and we need to wake up and we need to stay in the league that we founded
0: yeah we've set this um, for a couple of weeks now hopefully we back. next week I say next week it's Friday it? Friday night against Newcastle Newcastle
3: that's if it does. but uh,
0: yeah massive thanks for coming on mate and uh, I'll speak
3: to you soon no Grandma, thanks for everything that you are doing up the villa keep the faith as well the city is ours always will be <laughs> <Nice> <laughs> okay,
0: mate. cheers game, speak soon mate
3: um,
0: right we're going to bring on um, someone who's going to have a different uh, perspective on the game um, probably he's going to be a bit happier than us Chris how you doing
4: good how are you goes
0: um, so we've got Chris on here from the Green Eggs and West Ham podcast um, what, what are your thoughts on the game I, I think judging on social media and what kind of the post-match reaction from Jamie Carragher and Gary Nibble it seemed like that they felt that West Ham were a bit lucky do you feel like you've got away with it there
4: uh, I felt like we were a bit fortunate, but I think Villa, you know, at the end of the day, you, you didn't take your chances. Uh, we can, you know, we can discuss, you know, uh, from the West Ham side, a lot of people are quite angry at the refereeing uh, of the match. Uh, I think there's some to be, that, that some to be had there, but I think both, both teams maybe missed penalties that should have been given. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, we were, we were a little bit fortunate, but, Villa created the better chances; they just weren't able to put them away. Yeah, I think. Um,
0: yeah, he's one of them. I you know, always. Uh, you can look at the stats, and you can look at the chances we had. We had more chances, but at the end of the day, that's football, isn't it? You don't put away your chances; you get punished. We've done that. We've done it the last two weeks. In all fairness, gain chance was a really, really good chance. Um, you know, we've had the the goal disallowed. We've missed the penalty. When you look at it, it's quite it's quite apparent. We've had some good chances and we haven't taken them. And and then obviously then, you know, it's kind of bite, bite us in the arse, so to speak, and West Ham have, have kind of, you know, I say got away with it. West Ham have been more clinical than us, haven't they? Um were you surprised to see West Ham make changes at half time with Ben Ryan and Hallen coming in? Did you think that Antonio deserved to go off?
4: I thought they were the right moves. Antonio's been out for a little bit with a hamstring, and he just – he did not look himself. Uh, And what I was more surprised about is Moyes has has a tendency not to make changes until roughly the 85th minute. So not only bringing on subs at half, but changing the formation wholesale was was a big step by him, and it it paid off. I thought he, he brought on the right players. I thought he took off Antonio, which just wasn't his day. Uh, and and obviously made a difference within a minute in. Uh, I, but I, I also think you, I, I feel like this is a game. If if Villa has Ross Barkley, I, I think this is this is a three points to Villa's favor. I, I felt like when when you have that five back that West Ham played, there's there's a lot of space between the midfield and that back line, and I really felt like Villa's midfield didn't take advantage of that today, outside of Grealish.
0: Yeah, I think, good point you make, to be fair. I did think our midfield, didn't. Yeah, like apart from Greenish. I mean, does it every week, to be fair. I don't think they were as involved attacking-wise um, as much as they could have been. Um, obviously, I think they, they got stuck in at times, but I think there was a lot of space there. Um, and I think the guys, you know, Rice and Suchek in there, I think on a better day, beginning, beginning particularly who he should have really taken advantage of that, kind of worked it a bit better. We, we, we pushed towards the end, um, but again, it would take a while if we wouldn't score. Um, in in terms of West Ham going forward, obviously, big three points for you. Where do you think you this season?
4: Well, oh, it's tough. I, we've definitely outperformed uh, our expectations so far. Uh, to be fair, Phil have done a great this season as well. I think you you should be happy where you're sitting in the table. And I think West Ham fans are obviously extremely uh, happy with where we're sitting. We've had a rough stretch of games. We've gotten good points out of it. Uh, I, I think what this game and our prior game proved is that we're able to to now win games that we're not playing our best. Last season, if if we weren't on top of things, it was gonna be it was gonna be a long match. Uh, this season we we have a little more backbone in us uh even though we might give some chances up we we find ways to create goals so I, I think we'll push into the top half of the table i i still don't think we have quite what it takes as far as depth to make it to the to the european places but i would say we probably should finish about eighth or ninth yeah I mean,
0: in terms of obviously last season where obviously towards the end of the last couple of games you come away for the relegation, though but Certainly, that, that would be a massive improvement on last season, and I think, based on the way you've played, in all fairness, um, that improvement does kind of look good going forward. Um, I mentioned it to uh, Kev, who we had I'm just going to kind of ask you the same question. Um, who did you think Aston Villa's best player was tonight? Uh,
4: I think there's no question it was Grealish. Now, I have, he, he was the most frustrating player from a West Ham perspective. There were a few instances that, uh, despite his skill, you know, made you angry from from a, a potential diving perspective. But he, he had some wonderful skill with the ball, got in some really dangerous positions, and uh, I knew when he when he picked up the ball about 35 yards out and was just driving toward the goal without a without a defender on him, it, it was not good, and he he put the chance away. So he, I'd give him that match.
0: Yeah, nice one. Um, well, thanks for coming on; very much appreciated. Yeah, uh, good luck for the rest of the season.
4: Yeah.
0: When you come to Villa Park. Uh, but a massive thanks and uh, we'll speak soon.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
2: Take care, awesome.
0: mate. Cheers, Cheers. There you we go, West Ham perspective. Um interesting what he says. Uh, I mean he's he's right, I suppose. It kinda does come down to we'd be frustrated about the chances that we have that we've we we missed. Some people would look at it from maybe a positive perspective that at least we've graded those chances but we, we've got to be more clinical haven't we? we you know we want to be taking more points and pushing towards uh, i say a top you know a, a top finish you know I'm, I'm thinking 15 for above above I, I just don't want to be
1: you know having a relegation plan again i mean I, I i think i think that's something worth addressing there anyway so we'll take expected goals because it's quite a useful way of looking at these games. The last three games we've lost. So Brighton, Southampton and West Ham, we've outperformed the other team by a significant margin We've in those games where they've had nine shots on target, eight have gone in all eight have been completely unsavable. So you can't even put that down to error in all of these games as well. We've underperformed in terms of our expected goals. Teams normally level out over time. So realistically, I think it's fair to say we've actually been really unlucky lately. Um, and I think that's fairly apparent in terms of the goals we've been conceding and some of the chances we've wasted. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, striker composure, there, there is definitely an art to it and some are more clinical than others. But at the same time, if you gave... Watkins or Trezeguet, those chances, again, you can almost guarantee they go in. And unfortunately, it happens, and you go through patches where things just don't go your way. And to be honest, at the other end, it's been even more apparent in that, as I say, nine on target, eight have gone in, and all eight have been unstoppable. How often does that happen?
0: Yeah, uh, I think one thing um, which... He's going to be a positive spin. To be honest, I came on here and I thought I was just going to start ranting, raving, swearing, but I'm going to try and be positive. Positive spin would be that you look at last season, how many of our games were we second best? And it's going to have been a, you know, a large portion of them. But this season, how many of the games have we really, despite the defeats that we've had along the way? How many of those games have we been second best? I think XG would reflect that and probably say not many.
2: Leeds.
1: Leeds is the only game.
2: Yeah, I I agree. You know, I think that's what what makes it more frustrating, isn't it? Because last season you held your hands up and you said, We've been outperformed, we've lost again, sort of thing. (laughs) Whereas these games, you look at those expected goals and the chances we are creating and, and not putting away when we are coming on off the field with a loss. It's just really frustrating because you know we've been well in the game. We've created enough. And, and even tonight, in you, team team look team at, you look at we're still going to the end. And I know Kev said about Watkins, it was probably a game that he needed to sort of come off around sort of 70-minute mark. And we haven't got that depth in the squad for another striker on the bench at the moment but for me he's still making those runs and putting himself in those positions in sort of the 91st 92nd minute to score those sort of goals that you want a striker to be scoring and it's just so frustrating at the moment that I think Newcastle on Friday is a bit of a pivotal game in terms of the balance of the season you you can sort of make a a judgment after Newcastle to which way this season's going to pan out. Is it going to be one where we're we're fighting in that bottom half again, or are we going to use that sort of, it will be classed as our game in hand because we'll play first out of the game fixtures this weekend. And then we'll, I think if we win, do we go up to fifth or fourth again with it on 18 points, depending on the goal difference. So Uh, it, it it feels like a pivotal moment.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you, Ian. I think, um, Realistically, if we can get a win on Friday, this whole thing around the bad form and bad luck—it all turns around, doesn't it? And we can get back on another run and get going again. If we lose again, though, it it starts looking a bit shaky. It would be what six losses out of our last seven games, I think. Yeah. Some no wait no five five out of five, our yeah, last five out game. Of, yeah five out of uh, one, yeah five out yeah yeah
0: if six. we. If we win on Friday, we go fourth.
2: Yeah. So, and then you you look at the table, and it's looking all healthy again. It's it's just frustrating at the moment, isn't it? Off the back of a loss, where you think we've been well in the game, we've created enough to to win the game. It's just two lapses of concentration have cost us either, either sort of the start of either half. And um, yeah, hopefully we can put it right against Newcastle on Friday and, and get that momentum turned in a winning direction again.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that we created enough chances. Uh, Just just from looking at some stats, um, West Ham, six shots, we had 16. Um, 271 passes for West Ham, 20 for us. Um, You know, clearances, they had 28 to our seven. Um, 697 touches in our favour against 416. Um, You know, when you look at things in, in terms of of where we had the ball, um, which which is which is going to be you know vital is when you're looking at, at kind of zones and, and where we've got the ball and touches. Uh, we didn't have the ball in the six yard box too often. Um, I, I think the only time really was, was I think uh, Trezeguet's opportunity. Uh, you know, in terms of, of getting getting in there enough, but. It is frustrating. I think, you know, XG does really reflect it, as Joe said. When you look at the, the last, what, four games, is it? And we have completely massive. The XG for this game, I think West Ham um, had an XG of 0.57. Our XG was 2.39. So it is, like Joe said, we've outperformed massively. Um, and it just goes to show, I think, you know, even the goals the play they score, they're not. They're not, you know, easy chances. Um, and, you know, we, we, we've missed a couple of easy ones. Up, you look at um, you look at the the uh, header, uh, xg of 0.22, uh, Jared Bowen's goal, xg of 0.13, And then you look at um, Trezeguet's chance. You know, which uh, you kind of look at it. It's a great save. I haven't really looked at it again. I know Trezeguet can do better, but. It, there was questions whether actually it was going on target. Um, I think I it think probably I was just, uh, yeah. I'd, I'd... but an XG of
2: 0.63. Watkins would have been offside in the build-up to it, guaranteed. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I would, of... would have
1: found it. But, well, it but... The strands of his that... dreadlock would have been called off, wasn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what it's going to be
0: now, isn't it? His hair's offside. <laughs> um, but and that was that that chance, zero point six three xg, kind of reflects how good of an opportunity it was. Um, obviously, Ollie Watkins penalty, zero point seven six. Um, we know that you know that's a um, good opportunity. Um, Ollie Watkins, zero point four two xg um, opportunity in the thirty-sixth minute. You know we we're creating these chances. They're really really good chances. And obviously, for people who don't know much of mine, xg, it's kind of it's, 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 a, it's a decimal based on the likelihood of someone scoring a goal. and It takes into, it takes a lot of things into consideration, such as distance from goal, um, the player, the ball coming in, uh, works out at a decimal based on the likelihood uh, of them putting away the chance. And when you, you consider that the West Ham chances, both of which were uh, 0.22 and uh, 0.13 XG, they're kind of not easy chances. Um, and we've got three that are around 0.5 um, XG chance. You know, it's kind of it kind of shows, really reflects the chances we had. Not just chances, good chances. Um, also, I mean, we've mentioned Jack Greenish. You know, the guests have mentioned Jack Greenish. Just to kind of put his stats into context. Um, three shots during the game. Two shots on target. Obviously, one goal. Five key passes. 89.1% uh, percent accuracy. Uh, you always think a lot like Jack Grealish, we know watching him, uh, and Joe mentioned last week about Traore passing the ball backwards. I think 74% of his passes last week went backwards. And you look at Jack Grealish, I mean, realistically, how often does he pass the ball backwards? Uh, you know, it's, it's not often... Um, and he's a guy that does take risks Um, you know he likes to to pick a pass so to have got a passing accuracy of of almost 90% a guy who is looking you know to play a perfect pass always looking to get the ball forward just reflects his quality Uh, I thought you you know he he was fantastic Um, I mean aside from Grealish um, Ian is there anyone who kind of stands out for you?
2: Um I really, I really like um, Concer with with every game he plays. I mean, apart from their two opportunities today, our defence hasn't really had to do that much. So it was it's hard to, to sort of judge him on that. I mean, Antonio coming back from injury was a bit of a disappointment. I looked at West Ham on paper at the start of the game and I thought, oh, this is going to be a tough game. It's going to be they're going to be trying to bully us. They've got some big units in there with the likes of Rice, a Bonner. Uh, Antonio up front um, but it didn't it didn't sort of happen that way and I know with Jack when he gets the ball um, and people try and get a challenge in on him and it does break the game up and I can see I can see the frustration of the, an opposition team um, but yeah Jack was the standout player once again I thought he got on the ball really well considering we didn't have Barkley I thought they were going to sort of do a job on him and try and sort of put free round him every time and, and sort of Really limit the space he got, um, but he did really well in those small, tight areas. Oh, there was one just, was just a bit of was brilliant, brilliant it, where he got himself away from the and got the crossing. And Watkins probably should have done better to get over the header; it just ballooned off his head and went up over the bar. But yeah, um, I thought Louise again was was decent. Um, some good long range passing in there, and some good interlocking stuff in the middle with McGinn and Hurahan if he Sort of hadn't have had that slip in the build up to the first goal and misjudged that header. We might be talking about it, at least a draw tonight. Um, but yeah, apart from that, for me, standout was realish Louise, and and, and yeah, concert and probably um, yeah. I don't I don't think anybody else deserves that much of a, a mention. It was it was a, it was a tough game because it was a, it was a it was a bitty game. I thought, especially at the end of the the first half, there was a lot of sort of. Um, back chat from both West Ham and, and Villa players, and it was getting frustrating to watch. But, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Any, any other standouts for you?
1: Uh, I thought Matty Cash played pretty well again. Uh, he's one we mention every week. Um, his passing into Grealish for the goal was excellent. Really decisive, a brave pass to uh, pass it into the middle like that. Um, end of the day, a bit more of that, and we'd probably be doing better against these low blocks. Um, I thought, I mean, Grealish made of the match. There's no question about that. He was fantastic again today. Uh, Louise sprayed the ball relatively well. I thought, um, Konza, okay. I guess it, it didn't, I, I don't, for me, he wasn't a standout today. I think getting beaten for that Jared Bowen header wasn't ideal. Um, and really they didn't have a lot to do. Um, Yeah, I think that's about it, to be honest. Um, I thought a few of them had pretty poor games, to be honest. McGinn probably being the worst offender for that, Uh, particularly considering we hold him to such high standards, considering what he was doing for us as little as a year ago. Um, He just doesn't look the same player this season. Uh, I just hope he can come back from this injury a bit more and get back to what he was.
0: I think with McGinn, and he's, he's one that, that I've been kind of keeping behind a bit um, because it does it does kind of seem like a bit of a concern. I, I don't know whether it is it a case that he just doesn't know where he's playing in terms of, you know, one week he's, he's sitting alongside Louise, the next week he's firm forward. Uh, and his kind of game is changing a bit more rather than it, it felt like, obviously in particular in our championship season and last season as well. He was one of the, the the players. He was making those late runs. You look at the first game of the season last season against Spurs. He's making that run forward. You rarely see that now. Do you think that we're kind of almost taking away the best parts away from him by playing him a bit deeper? Potentially,
1: but end of the day, the reason he's ended up playing that role is because he doesn't do it as well as Barkley is at the moment if he was performing particularly well at that, Barkley is perfectly capable of playing as an eight. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think McGinn at the moment looks a bit slow on the ball. Um, He looks slightly indecisive when it comes to his shooting and passing. And he just seems to be getting caught. Like his passing just isn't as accurate as it was. And I I, I think he will get it back. Um, I think... The length of time out he had and the amount of time the rest of the team had to gel whilst he wasn't there has really affected him and his game altogether. He just doesn't seem like a sort of coherent part of the unit at the moment, and I think that is so symptomatic of a player who's missed a year of football in such a a massive transitional period.
0: Um, uh, what about uh, what player just just before we go? Um, Matt Target. He's faced a lot of criticism. He has done all season, in all fairness, from from the Villa fans. Um, I saw one person on Twitter say, Trezeguet should play left-back instead of Matt Target. Um, How how do you think he played tonight?
1: I mean, I'm just going to address that and say that's a ludicrous suggestion. (laughs) And In the same way anyone suggesting that Matt Cash should be playing right-wing, ludicrous. Um, Target today... Just to go off uh, someone else's, so this isn't even my opinion. Uh, He was rated at a 7.3, which is the second highest on our team today, uh, according to SokaScore, which is a fairly reputable stats website. Um, He could do nothing about that first goal. That wasn't his fault at all. Um, He got forward quite a lot. Uh, I felt his delivery was a little bit iffy at times, but considering he's constantly lambasted for his poor defensive work, I don't think he really did anything wrong today. He's just, it's its become the sort of go-to call now. Any goal is Matt Target's fault, and it, uh, it's getting a bit ridiculous, I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree. We, we addressed it right at the start of the season,
1: didn't we? That I think
0: with with Cash, he's got Trezeguet in front of him, he's always going to get back. Target's got Greenish in front of him. not saying Greenish is going to get back. But it's not really part of his game to get back and make those tackles. He kind of gets back in person um, just to be there, but not necessarily making those tackles, whereas Tresgate will. I think sometimes that goes against Matt Target. People don't take that into consideration. to we I just think he's a terrible defender? Um, but he's certainly you know, the best left back we've got at the club.
1: Um, um, and just on that point as well, it was him who put the ball in for Watkins for the disallowed goal. Yeah. He was about two millimetres away from assisting the equalising goal. At yeah. the end of the day, considering the lack of quality we had putting the ball in the box, do we really want to drop the one guy on the left, other than Grealish, who can actually put the ball in? Well,
0: we're looking
1: at, I mentioned Jack Grealish's stats,
0: uh, where he got five key passes. Matt Target, four key passes. Um, 80% um, passing accuracy, seven aerial duels won. It's pretty good from, from a left-back in terms of his, obviously, he's clearly got stuck in. Well, his passing's been decent and, and to have your left-back making those key passes, um, as you said, Joe, he's, he's a good attacking outlet uh, and you you take him out of the game, realistically, you'd put Neil Taylor in a left-back. I don't, I don't think he'd make four key passes in in a season realistically
2: uh... exactly he's he's the best we've got in the position and there is nobody in the squad anywhere near him so it's not even a question at the moment is he, he's he's the first choice left back and tonight he hasn't put a foot wrong really, I think the first goal it's just um, organisational structure from us as a team I think somebody on the pitch has got to be leading that and saying why have we got one of our smallest players marking that gap at the back stick um, but yeah, in terms of his all-round general play tonight, he was he was he was man to man. He was fine, and I think their second goal, even though he was overloaded their side, they still switched it um, to the right-hand side, and it was um, a little crossing from Ben Rama. And like Joe said, um, Conser or Mings have probably got to be better in attacking um, that ball in. Um, both sort of on their heels. For that moment, but it was a bit of a bit brilliant flick from Bowen. But yeah, you want one of your centre halves to be attacking that. But yeah, in terms of Matt Target, I can't say he did anything wrong tonight at all.
0: What well, um, just before we go then? Obviously Newcastle on Friday. I think we we all kind of agree it's not necessarily a must win game, but it's a game that we kind of should be winning uh-huh. at home against Newcastle. How would you kind of approach the game? Would you line up the same as we have done tonight? Or would you make a change and maybe bring in Traore for Horahan or somebody else? Uh, Joe, uh, I'll come to you first.
1: Uh, for me, based on today, I, I wouldn't want to see Conor Horahan and McGinn in the same midfield, if I'm honest. I think at the moment, their game isn't complementing each other particularly well. And it's leaving us with a very flat midfield without a lot of... Uh, dynamicism or passing range. Realistically, I think we looked a lot better playing with the with someone in the 10 role instead. A, a bit of a difficult question on who to put there. I, I, currently, I'm not a big fan of Bertrand Traore. I don't feel he has justified his price tag as of yet. He's got a lot. Don't get me wrong. we were At the start of the season, he could absolutely fly from here. But I think he needs to do some serious work to get to actually earn his spot in the team. In all honesty, I genuinely think playing Jacob Ramsey, I end of the day, we've played young players before. Lots of other teams have with great success. He he fits the role of what we need. And I think end of the day, if it's not going well we can always take him off. What's what's the harm in trying?
2: Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Ian, do you agree with Joe or would you go go you know, different? Uh... Um, I, I, I would definitely go different to how we started um, this evening. I think one thing we all know about Steve Bruce is there is a lack of plan B. I mean, we know the bloke intimately, don't we? And, and most Newcastle fans will tell you the same now after sort of a, a season under him, that he has no plan B. So he will plan all week for us, probably playing the same starting 11 as tonight, thinking that we'll play the free of Louise, McGinn, and Hurahan. So I wouldn't um, be adverse. To mixing that up completely, and I'd probably agree with Joe in terms of just pro Jacob Ramsey and somebody that can play on the half turn, half turn, sorry, and um, sort of play that Barky role and get. We're at home. We need to put this home form sort of address this home form, don't we? Because it's a bit concerning that we've um, sort of not picked up as many points as we would have liked at home. Yeah, but I think with the game being so close to tonight, um, there's not much turnaround time. So definitely fresh legs in there. I wouldn't take, change the structure at all, but I think um, maybe throwing Ramsey in for Huahan or McGinn. Uh, and, uh, like you say, you could drop either of them and, and try and mix it up a little bit. But, yeah, I think we definitely need to change the starting 11, one or two tinkering uh, moments just for the legs in terms of... It's a long season and it's too... Of This period of games now building up to the Christmas period is going to be a stretch and we'll be looking not to pick up more injuries. So, yeah, there's, there's no no reason for me not to change it around a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I think a, a big part of our game this season has been good. It has been, like Joe has said, the dynamism going forward. Um, and it's given us that extra dimension and it's helped us in the press Particularly the Arsenal game, Barkley got up high Watkins. We forced the the kind of the balls out wide. It got to their full-backs. They had then had to play inside and put it back, and we're able. It was like high turnovers, and and that's what's been good about. she it looked at the guys who scored. It's been high turnovers on the pitch. Um, we've kind of lost that recently, obviously without Barkley. It's going. We missed that extra player, and also. You know, having that quality high of pitch, we need that. You know, you look at how round he kind of, if he's in the right position, he takes too long to, make a pass. I feel like he's a bit too safe. Does he know that, you know, he's, he, maybe his quality's not up there? Uh, I, I just don't know. Um, just before we go, um, Doug, again, has mentioned. Um, yeah, we've got Liverpool, at Villa Park and FA Cup. Um, so it's going to be more points against them, more goals against them, rather. Um, and he says we'll be fine, got a great team, be fine as long as soon as Barkley comes back. Hope so. Just one of them, uh, you know, it's kind of getting Barkley back, getting him back up to speed as well. He's had a couple of bad uh, hamstring injuries. Um, very quickly before we go, Ian, prediction for Friday night? I'm going to go, um,
2: Two, 2 1 to Villa. Hopefully, we can turn this form around and, and get back uh, to winning ways at Villa Park. So, yeah, hopefully, it's a nice sort of quick turnaround now for us as fans, isn't it? The, the last thing you want to do is linger on a result like tonight, especially as your looks out, your looks out, and it was frustrating. But, yeah, we've got to turn it around now. And, I'm yeah, I'll go for 2 1. Joe, what, what are you feeling?
1: Uh, I'm going 4 0. I think we're going to come out flying. <laughs> Watkins, for the second time this season, hasn't scored in two games. Last time uh, last time he went and scored a hat-trick against Liverpool. The next time he went and scored two against Arsenal. Another two for him and two more. There you go. Uh, there go. go
0: we'll I'm going We will go 3-4, 5 I'm going to go 3-0. I think Watkins will get on the score sheet. Uh, you know, it would be nice to see him get on the score sheet. But, yeah, uh, hopefully, usually against Newcastle at home. We tend to be okay, uh, particularly last season. We were quite good, but yeah, hopefully we change it up and we see it. But a um, massive thanks to Ian and to Joe and to everyone who's been watching, which is our first live um, show. just makes it easier when it's quite a late one. Um, we'll be back Friday evening. Um, we might be live again. We'll see how this one goes. Uh, thanks, everyone, watching. Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, get following us on Twitter as well. We're always talking a load of rubbish on there, Uh, but massive thank you to everyone. Uh, We'll speak soon. We've been Villa together. Thank you. Help the Villa.